Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Beta Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. We're offering a free one-hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream. Now, I've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason you can't as well. Cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day, so if you have a job, or if you have a business, or you're just spending a lot of time with your family, you're going to have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this, okay? Now... We're also offering a 15-minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutesstocktrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there, guys. Talk soon. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome back again to a uh, to a very hastily put together breakthrough REI podcast episode number one twenty nine. But we are excited about it, and we're going to have some good info. And uh, oh, our guest is there, and then he's gone. So we're just uh, getting stuff set up here. We'll be ready to roll in a few minutes, though. But Sandy, how you doing? Awesome. Fantastic. Excited to be here for another episode. And uh, yeah, we'll get him to flop his uh, camera, flip it around, and then we'll be good to go. But yeah, uh, yeah excited for another show. We've got uh, a whole bunch of good stuff to talk about with our guests coming up. And um, and yeah, as always, want to recommend everyone jump over to our uh, our website, BreakthroughRAIPodcast.ca to go grab all the latest episodes, uh, chime in on some of the discussion on episodes, give us some recommendations on uh what you're watching or listening to there and uh, also pick up our uh our free report the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate that they can uh pick up there and 
and then never miss an episode. Once you do that, you'll be on our email list so that you uh, get notified of every show, get notified of events that we're doing, property tours, seminars, webinars, all that sort of stuff. So uh, make sure you go sign up there so you never miss out. Absolutely. And also um, go on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review there. It's very helpful, as you all know. So, uh, you know, take a couple minutes, click on it, tell us what you think. And uh, then there's, I wanted to talk about a Facebook post that I saw the other day. And uh, it got a lot of comments. It was in a, a thread of investors that we were talking to, or that, that we're all sort of discussing investments and something like that. And one of them, uh, I'll just stay vague on this, but one of them was talking about how was asking the opinion of everyone else in the group what they thought about um, uh, the bubble that we're in uh, finally bursting. Like, do you think they should wait another uh, another like two, three months to see what happens here before they buy something? And then when somebody else in the group dug a little bit deeper, it turns out that these people, this guy who's asking the question, should he wait another couple months? Has actually been waiting for eight years since he started learning about how to real <laughs> to to invest in real estate, waiting for the bubble to burst. Okay, so I mean, look what look what he's missed out on. Uh, I always come back to you on that. Like maybe maybe it will burst. Who knows, right? It, you never never really know. But even um, even if you were to just buy it and the market did go down a bit, but you were getting your pay down, right? You're getting your cash flow month to month or you know, at least neutral or positive, hopefully you're getting your pay down, right? That's guaranteed. And even if you look at those numbers, if you bought something today and the appreciation didn't go anywhere, there was no appreciation. You get your pay down anyways. You're still in most cases is what I run numbers on that. You're up over 10 plus percent at least. Right. And sometimes a lot more without any appreciation. So you're just missing out on that opportunity. And in the last eight years, obviously, he's missed out a lot of appreciation as well. Um, if he's anywhere in Canada, yeah. And the other thing is too, like they people, and it's important. I'm not going to say that this isn't important. I would say that you definitely need to take, you know, whatever properties meet your criteria, um, and then pick the best one. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but um, there's a lot of people, a lot of investors that I've talked to that say, I want built-in equity. And of course, everyone wants built-in equity, right? And you'll find that. It might not be on your first deal, but if you keep on investing, you're going to find some home runs and uh, and some are going to be base hits and some are going to be doubles, whatever. But my point is, is that to, to say, I'm not buying anything until I find a certain amount of built-in equity is the wrong way to look at it. It's, does this property do what you want it to do? Does it like, does it, get you a, if, if cash flow is what you're looking for, does it get you that cash flow? And if the answer is yes, why would you sit around waiting because it doesn't have built in equity? I mean, if you're, if you're, like you said, you're covering the pay, you're covering the mortgage, uh, you're covering the pay down, you're most likely getting some appreciation. And if you're getting cash flow, I like we've discussed this before, but I would pay more than market for that. If I could get, if I could make it work for me in that way, you know, well, it's getting clear on your, your goals. Everyone's are different. I think some people just take whatever their friend or buddy says about what their goals are and just says, Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll run with that approach too. They don't really think about their own life and what they really want. Right. Sometimes people are always have different goals. And so as long as it accomplishes your goal, 
what does it matter if it's a great deal according to the market or according to everyone else's perspective, right? It's just about your specific goals. And sometimes you could pay well over market value for in some cases um, to make those goals achievable, right? Sometimes maybe you do need them. You'd have some pretty unique goals maybe, but maybe you do need an amazing deal at times. I don't know. Um, but for most people, most people, I think they get a little caught up in that. You're right. Um, and just needing exactly, you know, an incredible deal, a home run deal all the time. And reality is you don't even know what a home run deal is unless you've been hitting singles, doubles, et cetera, along the way. Right. Um, it's, it's too hard to identify if you haven't at least taken action. We'll get back to Jay here in a minute. Cause he's, he is back with us again now. Um, but the last thing I want to say is like, that does, that does burn me up when sometimes like I get pretty passionate when I hear people start to talk that way, because um, you know, okay. I mean, I was going to say not to toot my own horn, but honestly, like we're able to find some really, really great cash flowing properties and we lost them again. There he goes. Good thing we didn't uh, go back to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's keep running on this. This is a good topic. It's a good topic. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, like we're able to find some really great cash flowing deals for people. You were tuning your own horn. Yeah. And <laughs> when, when that's the reality, if that is what people are looking for, then, then like the stuff that we can do, um, that we've been able to figure out in the market that we're in, which is generally Peterborough area. I've heard, uh, some of the, some of the listeners have said, I listened to like, 10 episodes before I even realized what, what you did and where you were working. But uh, we're in Peterborough and Durham and, and the, uh, the stuff that we're able to identify and change the use in, in legal safe way so that these people can make um, generational wealth for their families and cash flow every month is pretty good. I, I have to say. So, so when people start talking about, um, you know, well, that seems like it may be $5,000 more than market based on the house that sold down the street. It's, it's not what your focus should be on necessarily. Okay. So this place is something you found at pretty much every unit you'd say needs work. Oh yeah. So you yeah. got it most likely based on the condition that it was in. Yeah, we got it. Uh, we got it for, Thinking back now, we're, the numbers have gone up a lot this year, I've noticed, in these multifamilies here. This is a Hamilton project. Uh, so at the time, we would have been 100 and give or take, about 125000 per unit would have been the price. Uh, now it's really difficult to find something like that for, you know, you're right around 150000 per unit, depending on the size of the units, the you know, what the unit mix is. Are they bachelors, single single uh, bedrooms, two bedroom, three bedroom, etc.? This one's uh, mostly ones. It's got a couple two bedrooms, and um, yeah, so it's it needed to work all around. It's in a pretty pretty decent area though of the city. Uh, it's got a lot of lot of uh, potential, and so we bought this one through. Uh, did we buy this on the? No, it wasn't on the market actually. It was off the market, um, and a lot of those as you get higher up in the in in the you know, size and, and unit size. Um, there tends to be a lot of off-market deals happening. Um, not a lot, but there are some, but there's not a whole bunch uh, that are making it to the market. I find a lot of this stuff gets, gets you know, changes hands off-market. So we've been, we, we did a lot of, we've done a lot, still doing a lot of kind of prospecting in that sense. 
with landlords and uh, looking for deals like that, that we can acquire or sell to clients. And um, we like Hamilton for that sense. There's a lot of that type of, of, uh, of mix here, right? The bigger buildings. And so, um, you know, getting in that world a little bit has, has sort of changed our outlook on some things, you know, uh, being in property management world and seeing that for a long time now, um, just getting the, getting the, uh, you know, everything in one place, having one, one boiler or one HVAC system to work with, uh, one roof, all that sort of thing tends to add, uh, or tends to minimize some of your costs long-term. Um, and so, you know, obviously having one boiler versus in a, in 15 units, you might have, let's say all duplexes are going to have seven or eight of them. Right. So, um, there's some cost savings, I think in the management side, long-term. So this is something we don't necessarily dig into all that much. So, it, mm-hmm. You say because I know I know you're probably going to do a, a refinance on this at some point. Once everything's done, you're going to refinance it. Yeah. So now um, those big ticket things, how important are they to your purchase? Because if you're not replacing them, then that's going to be taken in as the value even after you've done all your um, all your renovations. I mean, the big ticket yeah. items are, are yeah, the big ticket items are are. I'd rather them be fixed and done already. Um, they're good. They're like, I mean, we're looking at the refinance numbers, right? A lot of that's going to come down to uh, the numbers, right? Which is what, as you get in that commercial lending world, is what a lot of the focus is on. You know, what's the cap rate end up being, or what? What are they going to value it? What cap rate are they going to give it? The lending institution at the end, and how do your numbers uh, affect that potential cap rate, right? So anything, any increase in uh, income any decrease in expenses is gonna have a big impact on that uh that evaluation down the road so a lot of it comes down to that how do we increase income how do we decrease expenses having a new roof brand new roof on it doesn't necessarily do any of that right maybe it might help you with uh, utility costs perhaps um but it might do nothing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i mean there are costs that need to if it's really rough, it needs to be addressed, right? Um, and it's also not necessarily going to give you a better evaluation. Yeah, and so it's more about the capital expenditure that is possible later because of those things breaking down. True. Yeah, exactly. That, more the consideration when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say right on with that. And what kind of renos are you doing in them? So this one, uh, I mean, every unit cosmetically needs to be revamped. Uh, so I believe our number, um, is about 20, it's between 20 to it's about around 20 grand per unit. And uh, a lot of that's cosmetics. There are a couple of things that are, um, uh, beyond just cosmetic, I guess. Like there's a couple walls that are getting removed, uh, smaller walls, things like that to open up a bit. And, uh, other than that, it's mostly cosmetic. So your typical kind of floors, kitchens, bathrooms, um, walls trim doors uh kind of typical stuff there and it's a like purpose built right so it's pretty standard kind of layouts and uh you know kind of um big square uh rectangle i guess uh brick building so it's you're not going to change too much in terms of the look of the place um common areas in in some cases are being just just kind of polished up they're not necessarily totally revamped um but you got to have nice clean common areas along with your new new clean units to attract good tenants which is ultimately a big piece of it too is we we want to make sure we're attracting really good tenants 
And, uh, and that becomes a bit challenging at times when you're turning over units in that because you have, you know, half the building maybe has some, some different uh, clientele, let's call them different tenant profiles, right? So you're, you're getting a few challenges along with that uh, in attracting the right profiles when you have already a mix of people there, right? So that's, that's one of the things to consider. And sometimes it's better to just wait to, to tenant them um, until you're done or until you're a little closer to being done uh, with the whole building, just to make sure you get the right people. Especially during yeah. a, a time like now where the landlord tenant board and you know how that whole thing is. That's a long, long drawn out process if you get into a relationship with the wrong tenant. But so, I mean, I know there's not really going to be much of like, it's going to be hard to answer. So if you were to leave it vacant, how does that work? Because that, that probably a strain on. Um, well, you're, yeah, your cash, cash month to month, right? Your holding costs are going to go up because you're going to have no income. But when you look at it at the end of the day, if you're looking for that high refinance number, it's kind of irrelevant, right? You're going to show them what the rents are once you get to that point. What are the actual rents or what are the, you could go off projected, but they want to really see actual rents, right? It's, so what are the, what are the rents at that time? That point. It works into the cost of getting it to that point. That's some, it. In some ways. Yeah. Your um, holding costs are going to be, be higher. Now there are a couple ways to look at it, right? Like um, you could, uh, and I've seen a lot of your renos and usually go all out, like right back to, right back to stud sort of thing and then start and work everything out new. Is that the same kind of strategy in a building like this size? Or would you just sort of say, here's, here's the happy medium of money spent uh, versus what I'm going to get in rent? Or is it just like, let's, let's redo the whole thing and make it nice. This one, uh, yeah, good question, actually, because a lot of uh, a lot of the ones that we do that are the smaller unit size um, or smaller uh, unit amounts, we do. I kind of prefer to go back to the studs in a lot of cases because then you know what's there long term, right? You know that uh, you know there's no weird electrical mix going on beyond beyond the walls. A lot of the stuff we do is sometimes they're hundred year old homes, right? And so having some uh, sense of uh, kind of just clarity that you you know behind the wall there's not too much going on there that's fishy and you've you've redone it all brand new is is nice to know um but with these bigger buildings sometimes that's not exactly doable and uh you need to kind of just kind of find that happy medium i think is, is what we're doing on this one is 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 not going down to the studs necessarily uh, making sure we're every, all the systems and that are, are good and running properly but not going and ripping out, you know, the whole building down to the studs, which you hypothetically could do and, and turn it into something awesome. But you really need to get that, that price, the purchase price to be, uh, you know, it would have to make a lot of sense. And that's a really, really tough thing to find in our market and probably any market, I would say across Canada. Um, in order to find an opportunity like that, it would have to be really, really, really rough <laughs> and probably almost falling apart or falling over to begin with. Um, not just have, you know, some rougher units cosmetically or, or, or that. Right. So I have seen a couple of people do that in, in our, in Hamilton, in our city here. Um, and it's just to find the right opportunity in the first place, right. That purchase price has got to be something pretty, uh, pretty, pretty nice looking to make that work. And then the other side, of course, of, uh, of the return that you can get doing renovations in buildings like that is, uh, is is energy efficiency right so are you addressing yeah. that kind of thing as well in the rental 
a little bit. Yeah, uh, you can definitely you can get you can get grants on that stuff. You can get them to come in and actually address it and look at that. So um, you can do that in smaller properties too, right? The uh, especially um, uh, 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 on the the heat side of it for for gas, you can get the, the, your union gas or whatever your gas company is to come in and assess that. Um, that can add some. Sometimes, like even on my own personal house, you'll get that done on uh, you know adding some free. Uh, pieces of that that might help with the efficiency because they want to see everything upgraded now. Right. So you can go around and look at that stuff. Um, I think on this building, I haven't been involved in that conversation a whole lot, to be honest, but there's not a lot of that. There's not a lot of that uh, available to us in this specific building. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunities to do that. Um, good question. I don't know the exact answer, but, but good question. Know, like, you know, the other thing that two people can, if they're getting into this kind of thing, is they can look into like those um like water saving like t- new toilets right that do the half flush new shower heads that um for sure more efficient yeah. those kind of things can really affect it in an overall well, like, you can cut the water bill in half and on a building that size that's pretty significant right well on one or two units it's not a big deal right but on 15 on 100 units let's say hypothetically that's a huge deal and you could be looking at thousands a month in savings right which like we talked about any little in decreasing expenses is a substantial difference to your um, evaluation of what the property is worth, right? And not just in the bank size, but in what a purchaser's size might be if you were going to sell it. Because a lot of, almost all of the value in a building comes down to that those numbers at that point, right? Whereas you're looking at the duplex, threeplex, fourplex type model, um, residential financing, that's not the case necessarily, right? The numbers are important. But there's more at play there, I think. Uh, whereas the numbers really is 95 plus percent of it in, in this case. Did you, is there anything uh, more that's standing out with this building that you wanted to talk about? Or? Um, you know what? There's been a lot of, well, we probably can't get into this on the, on the, on this show, but we've done a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of um, interaction with the landlord tenant board that's been fun and exciting uh, that we've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. about and you know i guess i'll just say one thing is just it's tough to it's really tough it's really tough to navigate that world right now not not even like yeah it's an interesting time right now because everything is taking longer even beyond that it really is a challenging challenging thing i feel like um you know there's all these situations with tenants that are that are uh going on and uh, there's a lot of outcry from uh from landlords right now with the different systems that the LDB has. It's, it is really challenging. There's some challenging components there that make it tough to, to really do anything. Um, and, you know, it, it comes down to wanting to have nice, you know, nice, affordable units that people can live in. And, you know, that's what everyone wants. And yet that be, it becomes really challenging, right? For, uh, mm-hmm. for that when you have, when you can't, when you can't even, address it because these units are sitting there with challenging situations going on and, and you can't, you can't get into there to fix them or make them better. Right. So people are stuck living in kind of some rougher living situations potentially. And that's what we've learned a lot. I'm not, I don't want to necessarily go too deep on that. Cause that's a yeah, whole point. conversation in itself. Yeah, it's hard to go into specifics with that kind of thing, but I think that is yeah. one of the other, along with the question that we usually get on the JVs, like people come, to us and say, how do you set up a JV? Like, give us the answer, right? How do you set up a joint venture partnership to buy something? 
tell us how to do that. And there's no, we've been over this a bunch of times. There's not really any straightforward answer. And I'd say the other one that we sort of get a lot of too is I don't want to take over this property with the tenants in it. Like, what do I do? I like, give me the answer. I want it without the tenants. Tell me how to do that. And, and quite honestly, it's not always possible, right? It's, uh, it's, in most cases with apartment building, especially like what you're talking about, there is no way of getting that done for any of the units. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So you take it the way it is and you, the magic bullet is working through the process like you're doing. Unfortunately, it's more of a, I guess, magic, uh, quicksand or I don't know. <laughs> at times, definitely. It's, it's not easy. It's not going to take, but that's the thing, right? A lot of, a lot of the toughest, uh, things in life in business and in the, in real estate investing, a lot of it comes down to, you know, if you can solve the tough problems, you know, the tougher the problem you're solving, the more financial gain you're probably going to achieve at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, if you're always looking for the easy stuff, well, then you're going to get kind of standard uh, results, which can be great because we're in a great industry with real estate. But at the same time, the tougher, tougher uh, problems you solve, the more, more money you're going to make the end of the day and jay jay wilson uh uh, has made a comment on our stream here he says that insulation is a big one that you can uh save some save some energy costs on as well uh yeah windows uh insulation around windows that sort of thing too um uh uh you know better higher quality doors even to uh, decrease airflow coming in and uh and loss of heat um yeah insulation is a big one can be a big one. So the cheap other- upgrade, cheap up. Oh, he said that it's a cheap upgrade there. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. cheap. Yeah, exactly. Um, now the other building that you were talking about that was that more of a recent purchase. Uh, I, I mentioned an 11 unit. Yeah. The one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one closed in. That one closed pretty recently, a couple months ago. Uh, that one actually is kind of interesting because it has four current, currently four commercial units. Okay. that we're uh, converting into residential. Uh, so that one's got a little bit of another process in its own there in, in going through that, um, through that, uh, you know, buying commercial kind of uh, units in this time is, you know, that's a very, it's actually an interesting conversation because um, maybe this was an idea for someone out there to, to explore. Um, this specific one gave triggered kind of an idea uh, in, in my mind and, and some others as we were going through it because we were buying this place before. I think we had this. Uh, I know it would have been during um, the early on phase of COVID here, but we bought that and the commercial units really would be really tough to get a tenant in right now. Not only now, but I think ongoing this this property really um, deserves some residential units. I think that's the highest and best use of it. Uh, just given the area and everything. So we're converting those. It's not an overly difficult process. Um, you obviously have to get our, you know, our everything approved by the city and all that. So we're going through that. But it's a really interesting time to actually explore that if you're in a city that, that has a decent amount of commercial buildings or mixed use buildings. Um, I've seen, I'm seeing some, lot, some really decent opportunities in Hamilton right now where there are buildings that are for sale or that are being marketed for sale on MLS even that are commercial or mostly commercial and everybody's scared of them. Everyone's scared to buy them because renting out a commercial unit right now is a bit challenging. Perhaps you could 
find some opportunities where you can go in and convert those commercial units to residential, uh, which might be its best use anyways, regardless of, of COVID, but definitely during this time, it might be its best use. And, um, you know, nobody's looking at those places. So if you're looking to find a great deal, you know, and there's no deals out there because there's no listings right now, it's very tough on inventory pretty much across the country. That might be an idea. I've seen a few, yes. I've seen a few in Hamilton that are, that are totally that, and nobody's looking at them. Nobody wants to buy them. Um, they're very scared about the commercial side of it and it's not a very difficult conversion and you can turn that around in, you know, not too much longer than a normal, you know, conversion would be. And all of a sudden you get a two unit, three, four or five plus unit building residential, uh, no issues with renting out residential is still very strong in, in most areas and, uh, finding opportunities when nobody else can find them, I guess, is the point. Um, you need to look and find some solutions to some problems out there. And that's, that's something I've identified. I'm not sure if you've seen that much out your way, but I've seen that here in Hampton. There's, there's definitely a handful of listings on the market. I would look at probably right now that are available for that type of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and like this process, as well as any other one that you would go through on a building this size is part of your due diligence, right? So it's not, it's not like you're going to get an answer before you go in and put a, an offer on a place like this. You put the offer in, but this is the process, right? That, which a lot of people don't necessarily understand. They want to know all the answers up front, but with mm. buildings like this, you've got a diligence period. You've got, you've got things that need to be addressed and worked through and made sure that they're possible before you can actually go firm on something like this. So the process is to get it locked up, figure out then if you can do what you want to do with it. It's not, you're not going to call Hamilton and say, Hey, can we change these four uh, commercial units to a residential? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> if that's not how it works. You know, that'd be, that'd be really awesome. But <laughs> no, <laughs> did it right. So, yeah. So, um, and I think that's another thing that people don't necessarily understand is that di diligence is done after the offer is, is tied up, right? Like that way, no one else can come along while you're trying to figure out, can you do this? Meanwhile, they go, I know I can figure this out while I tied it up. And, and, and also the process of tying that building up allows you to understand more of the, what the price is actually going to be what the terms of the deal are actually going to be because you don't know that until you put an offer in as well. Right. You may be able to get it for less than what it's listed for. You may be able to get vendor financing that, you know, you, that wasn't advertised as part of the deal. So there's all kinds of different uh, things that are going to affect it. And just getting that property tied up, I think is one of the most important answers that you can give to an investor who might be able to partner with you on it. If you go to them and say, yeah, I'm looking at this place and uh, I'm just trying to figure out what, what, you know, what, uh, if we can do what we want to do with it. Oh yeah. How much is it? Well, I'm not really sure yet. We haven't negotiated. Like, that's no way. That's not information that you can go to a joint venture partner with. Yeah. It's, it's often good to lock something up and get control over it. Right. At least have, have the, have the power in your hands and, uh, depending on the size of everything, right. You know, it's kind of typical commercial or, or apartment building style. It's, uh, of of kind of small medium size you're going to get 60 60 days typically um 
maybe a little more, a little less, depending. But uh, a lot of times you'll get 60 days due diligence period, right, where you can find out a lot of these answers and um, get your architects in, your planners, whoever you need to help on, on that sort of a conversion to go through and give you their input and uh, see if it works. There's a lot of sometimes, you know, th those are the deals that there are a lot of renegotiations through the process just because things pop up, right, that you don't know at the start. And uh, as opposed to your typical residential sale where it's, you know, a lot of times you, you do the deal, if there's any due diligence period at all, which I'm sure you're finding it out here, there's really no, there's really no room for that in this market or minimal room for that. Minimal. Yeah. You got to kind of just, you got to kind of just uh, uh, go through it and, and, and kind of as best you can foresee what uh, issues might be there and, and negotiate accordingly. Right. Um, these bigger ones definitely still have room for that. And, and you're right. Yeah. It's a process. You learn a lot through it. There's so many things you can learn through that process. Um, and you got to take advantage of and get, get the power. And uh, if, if it comes down to renegotiating later, then that's pretty standard, pretty typical. And in general, I've seen this a lot and um, you know, not, with buildings on the scale that you're talking about necessarily, but just different things um, where people maybe, and, and again, like this will sway somebody to decide to buy something or not, but the squeaky wheel with, with stuff like that definitely gets the grease. It's not like the answer is going to be straightforward. Can I, can I convert these units to residential? Like they're going to say probably something along the lines of, uh yeah if you know if this and if that and we can maybe figure it out and variance here and there and whatever else they're they're gonna try and uh say like it's never gonna be straightforward right so um so uh my point was though that i have seen a lot of people go into an investment that that still works with the intention of getting these things done at a later date, you know, it's not necessarily a question that can be answered right now, but again, if it, if, you know, the other, what did you say? There's seven other units. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if, if you can carry it and you can do well at those seven other units, then you can address these things later on if you have to. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. There's all sorts of different models with it. Right. I think that it's going to, it's going to be an interesting one. We'll probably, maybe we'll circle back and, six months a year and share uh what the process was like uh because it's uh it's it's a cool one i mean there's good location downtown hamilton and uh it's just got some interesting stuff there with the commercial mix mixed use there and uh and converting it so we'll share some more on that story down the road mm -hmm. and that's with two of uh the bunch of properties that you said that you were investing in but i don't think we well i mean we can talk about more if you want to talk about more of them but <laughs> Uh, uh, we can talk about a couple more. Sure. Why don't we, why don't yeah, we, why don't we fill in another five, 10 minutes here? Right. Um, well, so we've done, so like I said, we do a lot of those three and four unit conversions here, which I find, uh, I, it, there's just an abundance of them here. And that's, that's what's kind of interesting about this market. I know your market that you're investing in is, is different, right? You have, uh, a lot of the duplex conversions, maybe student rentals, um, that sort of thing. Cause Peterborough for sure. I know Oshawa and that area might have a few. Peterborough for sure can have a whole lot of, of those three, four unit properties where Hamilton just has a bit of a sweet spot for that. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of that, what I like about them is there's enough value, uh, that you can, you can drive enough out of value in it through renovations to really lift that price up. Um, and, and 
there's pros and cons, you know, maybe we can battle it out of here for five minutes, 10 minutes on the pros and cons of a triplex or a fourplex versus a duplex. Cause both of those are great models. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to argue against a triplex and a fourplex either. That's for sure. Well, I think there's a, there's, there's pros to a duplex long-term. I think they're very highly sellable, right? And then you get a great, uh, great tenant profiles. Typically, um, you can do the whole, um, you know, live in one and rent out the other type of approach, house hack it. You are going to um, target homeowners potentially. With yeah. Your, your pool of sellers at the end of the day is really big. If you're going to sell it down the road, uh, which at some point, probably a lot of people end up do doing up selling their properties at some point. <laughs> Versus the triplex fourplex approach is a little different, I find. Um, probably you can still get great tenant profiles, especially here in Hamilton, where there's abundance of great young professional type people that are working here now. Um, uh, I just find you can drive the values up quite well, so you can get it to that point where you're going from, uh, uh, you know, a value of about five hundred thousand now at this point driving them up to even a million and beyond, um, depending on the the size of them, square footage, uh, and the, the amount of units you put in there. But we've, yeah, we've been getting evaluations up to, uh, I think we've even been over or right around, or maybe even just over 1.2 now on a fourplex, uh, which is, you know, 300 grand, a, a, or sorry, am I right there? Yeah. 300 grand a unit. Mm. Um, which is kind of crazy to hear and see, uh, for our market, but you know, if you're doing the math, like we, we haven't, I don't think we've bought one for any more than probably paid 650 for one but we got a reappraisal at, back at at one point just under 1.2 1.175 give or take so um you know you're getting all or the majority of all your money back out in in that process and uh and you know doing a uh that was one we just did actually we bought 650 it was pretty pretty much the highest we've ever paid i think for a uh a renovation project four unit in in hamilton um, and yeah, we got a 1.175 refinance number at the end of the day. And how much money would you, did you have to put into it? On that one, we would have spent, uh, withholding costs and everything would be close to 200. Mm -hmm. Um, so 850 would probably be the number where we're, we're all in for about 850. So, uh, maybe just a hair above that, uh, with some holding costs. So, you know, run the numbers on a. I believe we were all out of that one or just left a, a little bit of cash in on it. I mean, if you did a, what is that equal? One, one, seven, five, nine forty. So we must've spent a bit more than that. I must be a bit off on those numbers because we must've spent closer to two, two fifty overall. You're uh, saying you basically broke even pretty much with like, we basically so broke even it free and clear, you know, or not free and clear, sorry, zero into the project. Uh, zero into the property essentially yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and and uh and that's something that it sounds like and like you're saying that is sort of a sweet spot for hamilton um uh and it's and it's something that's probably intimidating or more intimidating i i would say to somebody new to take on something like that and and then have a renovation at like a 250 sort of mark you're obviously your renovations are higher, right? Than a, than a duplex or a single family conversion or that, that side. Cause you've got four, four of everything now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, the numbers can work really well as long as the size, like these are bigger houses, right? This, that's what we have a lot here is the, the big 2,500, 3,000 square foot houses. Mm -hmm. And, um, so your, 
your you know your units are still 700 square feet give or take on average and um you can really do a lot with that amount of that amount of size and get some great you know one or two bedroom units with some pretty high you know high quality tenants that are living in a good kind of cool old converted property and um numbers are working really well you know everyone always asks me around around that because prices have gone up so significantly that you know does this model still work here and i mean we've proven it over and over again with ourselves and clients because the rental rates have also been going up a lot right and i know that's market to market you know, depends on the market for for what how that's looked but our rental rates have really gone gone crazy almost at, on par with the increase in uh, uh in home prices so as long as your rental rates are increasing along with that the home price is increasing then you're going to have the ability to still turn these uh units around and and create a great uh uh return based on like getting all your money out or close to it and cash flowing still mm-hmm. and and again i would encourage people like to hang on to things like <clears throat> you're doing obviously you're not doing that to sell the property i mean when you've got zero into it it doesn't even make sense to sell it um but I can't remember where I was going with that exactly, but it it just it, can't remember where I was going. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a fun one. We're stumbling through this one today, but it's been it's been some interesting stuff, anyways. I think uh, what we've been talking about. I think whole, you know, funnily enough, on that on that property, we actually were about three quarters of the way through, and we were debating potentially selling it. Um, just with our, our model, this is something I guess a little different for us lately is we actually are looking to sell one, one to two a year. If we do like one out of every five or six that we actually do, we're actually going to look at selling them. Mm -hmm. Um, just to, cause we're kind of just having a bit more of a business approach to it now where we need to, you know, we have a bit of more backend costs with things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so as that happens and we kind of scale that up a bit, we, we need a bit of cash infusion every once in a while. So it's kind of going through an interesting process right now. And our, our model is just having that outlook and deciding which ones we might actually sell, um, which we've never really thought that way before. And so that's where, you know, selling the odd one might make sense if you're really looking at it as a, as a business. Um, not like, yeah, it's not just invest investments now for us. It's kind of a business, a lot more of a business approach and needing some cash flow to cover costs. Yeah, you need that 250 grand to uh to do the project in the first place. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of our projects we cash flow but not like not crazy amounts that we're able to run a whole business out of it. Mm-hmm. Um because we go for that high refinance number, right? And and our goal is to get our money out out, out recycle it to the next one and not necessarily have $2,000 of cash flow every month, right? But, you know, 500 to 1,000, sure. But even that doesn't necessarily um, cover a lot of the, the the higher business costs we have, like salaries and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember what I was going to say. Now I was going to talk about the rents being very important on that on that on that sale side. Um, but but I do find that even with places with lower rents, they are pushing that sale price, right? Like so, the the, the rents and the cap rate don't justify the sale price. But I think that you can more do you, do you find that anyways? Yeah, I mean, uh, people are looking at the opportunity that's there, right? What's the value add? As long as there's value add, you know, we've because we've seen uh, 
We've seen places moving here at uh, in Hamilton, which I know is for Toronto area and some other bigger cities. This is probably not unheard of, but you know, two point five cap rate, um, and that used to be not too long ago. We were five, five at least five, more like six, seven even in Hamilton like five years ago. So, um, you know, seeing that, seeing that something change hands at a two five, two seven five cap rate is uh, interesting to see. But it's only doing that because there's value add there, right? So someone's going to go in there and add add value to it, and they really don't care what that number is at the start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Sandy, it's been a great interview. <laughs> um, is yeah. there opportunity? So happy I could come on the show. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. <laughs> is there uh, is there opportunity for people to get involved in this, or is this more like are you guys partnering on things like this? Yeah, we're open to any discussion like that. I mean, especially as we get into the bigger stuff, uh, there's a whole bunch of different creative uh, structures to play with, right? And so we've uh, we've explored even, we, we haven't gone down this road yet. We've explored, and maybe we will one day, just doing more of the um, limited partnership model uh, on something bigger. Uh, and so, you know, we're not necessarily doing that today. We're not offering a version of that. Um, but maybe one day we will. So if anyone wants to talk a bit more about that or get involved in these, of course they could reach out and we could explore further on what their goals are and how we could maybe help them out and, uh, and, uh, and get them involved. Definitely. Right on. Okay. Well, this has been your interview with Sandy today. So, um, hopefully everybody has enjoyed it. And as usual, if someone did want to get in touch with you and talk to you about this, how, how would they best reach you? Uh, best probably the email, which I got, if they're watching, I can see it there on the screen, Sandy at McKay realty network.com. Um, they could give us a call too at two, eight, nine, three, eight, nine, six, eight, four, six. And, uh, we'd be happy to get them, uh, get them involved or at least explore it further and see where the best fit might be. No, that's great. Well, I'm glad we could do this today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> and and um, we'll get back and, and have Jay on another time, of course. And, uh, yeah. and um, you know, I think that this was quite informative anyways, right? Like something that we don't normally do. You don't actually, Sandy, I'll tell you why. You don't generally open up and tell us much of what's going on over there. With <laughs> you as an, as an investor, I should say. Well, we got to talk a bit more about it, I suppose, right? And uh, and I think we were, funnily enough, we were talking about doing our own shows again soon. So it's interesting that we got the opportunity to kind of wing it a bit, but make it happen here today. And um, it's always fun sharing. So maybe uh, we'll start adding in our own version uh, with just us a little more here and there. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Or, uh, you know what, we can probably even do some little bits in between, like they don't have to be hour long podcasts. If we're, if we're just doing some updates or, or, or the casual conversation between us two, you know, True. Um, if we've got a little something to say, you know, shorter ones don't hurt. I think people often don't mind some shorter content, but anyway, uh, if anyone would like to reach me, they can, they can, uh, of course, reach out to me on email, rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. And, uh, thanks Sandy. We'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Rob.